Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. With me, Sam Delaney, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Rashane Thomas. How you doing, Rashane? I'm all good, Sam, yourself? I'm very well indeed, thanks. Um, just before we kick into it, let's uh, just mention that right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. Perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. You can enjoy great analysis, in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. It's the perfect present for both yourself and for someone else that you like or maybe love. Just go to athletic.com slash West Ham pod. That's athletic.com slash West Ham pod and sign up. What a gift. Um, Rashane, let's reflect on, on the disappointing game on Saturday night. Me, like most people, thought that we could have been three, maybe more up at half-time. But when you go in at half-time knowing that you've wasted a lot of chances to extend your lead and you're against a side like United, you kind of know inside what's going to happen in the second half. And it did. What were your thoughts? Uh, I actually think West Ham should have been 4-0 up by the time we hit the 52nd mark because created so many chances. You had four nails, you missed two great chances. You know, Hallow should have scored. Boren should have scored as well. And it was one of the, one of the performances where you thought, they're going to come back and score here. Yeah. They're going to come back and score here and well, the momentum, you know, will be on their side. So it's, it's frustrating because we've seen matches like that where West Ham created so many chances and for whatever reason, unable to get the win. So I think it's definitely something more to try, to try to plan to address moving forward because can't keep scoring big chances like that. You you wrote a great piece on that this week um, in which you looked into all the chances we missed and why and how that was our big problem right now. And it's a really enjoyable piece up there now if anyone wants to read it. But what I'd say to you, Shane, is... Yes, we are missing a lot of chances, but the dilemma Moyes has got is that up until Saturday, he'd built a team that looked very hard to beat, resilient, um, yeah. and that was largely because of the shape. So it's all based around what we do when we haven't got the ball. Um if he changes the formation or the team or the system, then he will be worrying that whilst we might um, have a, maybe have a better chance of finishing our chances, we're going to leave ourselves more exposed. Um, so I guess that's the question, isn't it? Do we just keep working and think, well, if the chances keep getting created sooner or later, we are going to finish them and someone's going to get absolutely mullered by us mm. at some point? Or does he does he you know twist as opposed to stick and think do you know what I'm just going to change things up and I'm giving Ben Rama the nod. Let me ask you: If Ben Rama had started ahead of four nails, would we have won that game? I I believe so. I believe I know hindsight is such a good thing, but I believe so because my own, listen, four nails has done so well to have transformation he's had over the past twelve months. We all know he struggled in his first season at West Ham, and now he's doing so well. But my main frustration with four nails: he lacks composure in front of goal. Mm. as you touched on the two chances he missed in the 3-3 draw against Tottenham he had a header that went over the bar I remember the game against Newcastle I think he hit the crossbar if not mistaken last season against the Wolves he had a great chance for close range that he missed he just keep, don't get me wrong he's a good player but he just keeps missing good chances I think mm. I'm right in saying uh, four hours is, is, is the top in terms of uh, big chances missed for West Ham I think he has four big chances missed and if you think of someone like Ben Rama who's so Composed in front of goal last season. Even when he came on, he looked quite good, in my opinion. He impressed when he came on around yeah, the 75th yeah, minute. So, in many ways, I feel like 
obviously it's not it's not good to lose. But I feel like this defeat will will have Moyes thinking, okay, maybe I should change it because if West Ham mm. had won, Moyes have been like, yep, same team again for Leeds. Whereas mm. now you're probably more open to thinking, okay, let me bring in a new personnel here or let yeah. me freshen things up in this position and see how we do. Yeah, it's a weird one, but I get exactly what you mean. I mean, to be honest, against Fulham, Sheffield United and definitely Villa, there were spells where I thought we could have played better. In all three games, we could have scored more goals. And so I don't know if it's fair to say that this result was coming, but I think there were flaws that were apparent in all three of those victories, particularly the Villa game, where I think we were second best for, for most of the match. And so, but it was, yeah, like you say, as long as we were getting three points, he couldn't justify changing it. And it would be hard for him internally, you know, within the squad to justify to those players who seem to have a good squad spirit at the moment. It would be hard for him to justify it to them if he if he dropped a player, popular, hardworking lad like Four Nails yeah. and brought in someone else. But I think he's got, let's just say this is giving him the excuse. I still wonder though, because of the way... Moyes approaches football matches, whether he'll do it. I wonder whether or not, even if he does drop four nails, whether he might prefer to go for Alanzini, who, mm. although he's a, a very attacking player, is much more of a sort of a, you know, much much more similar, I would say, to four nails in that, you know, he can play centrally, he gets around the pitch, he'll, he'll put his foot in. He's not a defensively minded player, but, you know, Ben, ben Rama strikes us and, we, we don't know a huge amount about him yet. We've only seen some cameo roles sort of thing. Yeah. But he, he strikes me as more of an out-and-out kind of old-fashioned winger who is always yeah. going forward. Um, so I don't know. You know, it might be that, he, that Lanzini gets the nod ahead of Ben Rama. It might be, but again, I'd rather Ben Rama. It's time to unleash Ben Rama now. It's time to unleash mm. him and just, you know, everyone can see what he's capable of. Another thing, because Moist rarely changes the winning team... Rick, listen, I, I I sort of don't buy a narrative that footballers can get tired, but it could be an element. It could be an element of the likes of four yeah. nails playing week in, week out, and they're just getting tired right now. And the thing is... Well, when you look at the way we, we lack... If you look at stats, I think I'm right in saying that we often... You know, we don't, we, we never have the majority of possession yeah. home or away. The the system is based on us sort of letting the opposition have the ball for long periods, which yeah. means that someone like Four Nows in particular, who's built his, 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 he's built his new persona and his new role in the team on doing a lot of running. And therefore, you know, he in particular might be suffering the effects of all that football. Yeah, that as well. And I was going to say, we're reaching a point in the season where there's going to be a lot of matches. Play Leeds on Friday, Crystal Palace next week, Wednesday, and then uh, Chelsea the following Monday. There's a lot of games coming on. Mm. As you mentioned, Moyes, Moyes really changes it, but I think he's going to have to, you know, bring in a new personnel every now and then just to freshen up a little bit. I think that we've got good options on the bench. I, you know, I think that if we see someone like, hopefully Ben Rama, I'm in agreement with you, that's the one. But, you know, we said that last week. In fact, I think the title <laughs> of our podcast yeah. last week was his time to unleash <laughs> Ben Rama. Uh, so I, I feel we've been vindicated. But, you know, we've. I don't know what the situation with Yarmolenko is, what his fitness is like. But, you know, these are players who I'm not going to be gutted to see coming in the team. Lanzini already, you know, has, has achieved, uh, you know, such a lot this season with that goal against uh, Tottenham alone sort of will make his legacy at West Ham. Uh, you know, these are players that, you know, Diop at the back. I'm I'm uh, Fredericks, Johnson. There's a few players who I'd happily see come into the team. 
um, to have a to have a tryout to get us through the busy Christmas period. But Ben Rama, I think every time he's come on, he's looked confident, and that's what yeah. I like because people questioned, oh, can they make the step up from the championship? Can players like him and Bowen make the step up from the championship? As you pointed out before, Moyes likes to ease them in because he thinks it's quite a big step up. You know, uh, if you looked at any footage of Ben Rama or Bowen in the championship, they were at times just taking the piss type players, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. too good for the championship. Bowen, if you saw him at, at Hull in the first half of last season, he, he was just scoring at will. He'd just get the mm. ball and take off and score like Cristiano Ronaldo sort of thing. Yeah. And, and of course, he's not quite at the same level in the Premier League, but he, you know, he is capable of playing at a very, you know, decent standard in the Premier League. Yeah. Ben Rama, you think he's got all... I mean, we've all seen the footage of him doing outrageous stuff, like piss-taking stuff for Brentford, <laughs> you know, flicking it over his head and all the rest of it. And you think, well, I don't know if he'll get away with that in the Premier League. What I like is, is that every time he's made a cameo appearance, although he hasn't gone completely over the top, he has had the confidence to try out some skills. He's beaten yeah. players. He's nutmeg players. He's gone round players. I mean... I liked the way that he got the ball out on the left um, against United, cut inside the fullback and tried an audacious effort. And yeah. he, he curled it. He, he was going for the top right hand corner, wasn't he? Now yeah. he, you know, he could have. It, it went slightly over, but I just loved to see it because I thought, okay, this is a player. He's not intimidated by playing in the Premier League against Manchester United. He's going to play his natural game and he's going to try the same things he would have done in the in the championship. And if you give him 90 minutes, he's going to pull that off. And if you give him 90 minutes against Leeds United, all due respect for them, where he's perhaps not up against the same kind of defenders he would be if he was against Manchester United or Manchester City or Liverpool, it could be the perfect start for him. I agree, and Berama has blonde hair, so nothing intimidates this guy. <laughs> nothing no, intimidates him true. at all. And yeah. um, prior to the match, obviously the first time fans were back since the uh, win against Southampton, and they're all so the announcer was like, "It's Fabianski, yay! It's Ogbonna, yay!" Mm. Berama got the loudest chair out of all the players. Did he? He got the loudest chair out of all the players on the bench. So that tells you how From much the fans players. Like him. Yeah, out of all the players who started. So oh, I thought you meant the players cheering. Oh, right, yeah. yeah the fans the squad, yeah. yeah, I mean, everyone... He's he's a player that, whatever club he was at, he's the sort of player that all fans want to see. He is the Roy the Rovers player. He's the player who's going to go around a, a, a couple of defenders and, and, and curl one home. He will do that. At some point in the season, if he, gets, if he stays fit and gets reasonable game time, he's going to score a breathtaking goal because yeah. he makes it his business to do so. Um, the only the only thing is what do we sacrifice? Are we going to be more exposed? You know, is he going to be able to do the same amount of work as Fornells does off the ball? You know that 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 is the big conundrum. That you and I, we're fans. All we want is exciting attacking football. But Moyes and his staff will be dwelling on on that big conundrum this week, won't they? Yeah, but I think it's a risk worth taking. And, you know, just to let our producer, our producer know, this should be, the title of this podcast should be, it's time to unleash Bear Armour Part 2. That yeah. should be... Uh, should, now be, it's yeah. definitely time to unleash <laughs> Ben Rama. Yeah. Um, and, and if it's not against Leeds, then it has to be against Crystal Palace. It has to be. Ooh. It's one of the two. If not Leeds, then it has to be Crystal Palace. And yet he's deserving of a place, in my opinion. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I think, you know, this yet again brings us to another subject, which is our centre forward, and that is always the the hottest topic of, of conversation amongst West Ham fans and on this podcast uh, throughout this season is the situation up front. Antonio looks like he could have a bit of a stop-start season. I don't know what the situation is with his hamstring at the moment. Perhaps you'll let us know. But, yeah. but you know, we've, we've got Haller, who I thought is had an improved game again. I, I wasn't disappointed in his performance in terms of his work rate. But the fact remains, you know, that he is not burying chances. And if we had a centre-forward who we could rely on to finish chances, then we probably would have won against United and perhaps some of the other games as well. That's what this yeah. team's really lacking. We can blame for nows, but his job is not... His, his priority is not scoring goals, you know. Yeah. We need a, a lethal finisher, and we haven't got one. We've got Antonio, who does a great job up there, but he's not going to be fit for any long period. Um, also, although he has improved in this area, uh, Haller is still not bullying defenders and causing chaos in the box in a way that we would like to see in a way that Antonio does in a way that Andy Carroll used to and sometimes I look at just players who perhaps aren't elite strikers but I look at people like Troy Deeney at Watford and I think I mean we were linked with him in the summer Mm. and I'm not I'm not suggesting that Troy Deeney is the solution to West Ham's problems but just to take him as an example he's nowhere near the elite level right but I sometimes wonder whether there would be a difference between having Haller up front or a veteran like Troy Deeney up front, you know? And I sort of think, well, if we'd had Troy Deeney up front for the same amount of games as we'd had Haller this season, then I think we would have certainly not done any worse and possibly done a bit better because if you're just playing with one sort of lone pivot up there, then you might as well at least have someone who's going to make every centre-back's day a complete nightmare, pain in the neck, you know? Um, certainly, I don't think Moyes is particularly keen on him. I think if he was, he wouldn't have picked out a half-fit Antonio for the first half against Villa. Um, what's the solution? What, what's your latest thoughts on this, Rashad? So, with Antonio, right, a lot of fans have the opinion that Moyes rushed him. Mm. And that's why he got injured. But the backstory behind this is, around a 30-minute mark against Aston Villa, Matty Cash clipped uh, Antonio's heel. Mm. And then... That sort of that affected Antonio's hamstring, and he told Moyes he can only run about seventy-five percent. This is what Moyes told me in the press conference right. after the match. He can only run at about seventy-five percent, and Moyes was like, "Well, I can't have you running seventy-five percent. I need you to run hundred percent." So that is why he was taking off at half time. It wasn't a case of Moyes, Moyes mushing him back. It was literally because of Matty Cash clipping his heel, and then that sort of you know. Um, but the injury is a. But it was a hamstring, right? Yeah, it's hamstring. I'm not sure how the heel affected the hamstring, but I mean that's what Moyes said in a in a, in a post. So it's the conference. way he so, went. Maybe the way he went down, having been clipped, stretched his yeah. hamstring. Yeah, that that pretty much. So well, that, I, I mean, thing is, that means kind of, that he might have been rushed back. He might not. But the, the the fact remains, the hamstring is still vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to go. Yeah. He managed, and it has been for a few years. But he had a long spell at the end of last season and beginning of this, where he he, he maintained fitness. Now. 
it feels like he's going back into one of those periods where it's going to be a bit stop-start. And who could say this come the worst time for Tony because, as you mentioned previously on the podcast, he wants a four-year contract. Mm. So if he's you know asking for a four-year contract and the boards are like, hey, you're a great player for us, you've been a great center over the years, but the hamstrings are an issue, they could be looking at thinking, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure about four years, maybe three years, I'm not sure about well, four years. You so. know, I, I love Antonio, right? He's, he's probably my favourite player at West Ham. But, you know, there'd be if I was in the board's position, I'd probably be thinking the same thing. If you're, if you're completely cold and unemotional about it, you know, yeah. you sort of think, well, you know, how much are we going to get out of this bloke on a four-year contract? You know, yeah. uh, whereas at the moment, he's still worth, if you were to sell Antonio, God forbid, but he's, he's worth money. Even yeah. even with suspect hamstring, there are clubs in the Premier League um, who would think, well, I mean, he's a he's a goal scorer, he's worth the gamble, sort of thing. And the board might be thinking that. The key thing is, is that we're going to need a striker surely in January. I know last week you said that Moyes was a bit, well, oh, maybe we'll wait, but surely now you think with Haller, you know, failing to pull up any trees and question marks over Antonio, and really no other centre forward in the squad. Someone has to come in in January, don't they? I believe because I was asked in one of, in one of the uh, Q and A's if I feel like West Ham will strengthen for left back, and I was like, listen, I, I reckon the priority for West Ham in January should the sign someone will be central midfielder and uh, a striker. I feel mm. like they're the two areas to strengthen a backup for for Rice and Suchek and a, a striker who could perhaps play on the flanks or or central role. And obvious, the obvious name I could think of it is a Josh King. And it's just a name that refuses to go away. So, and the thing is, I reckon in January there'll be more outgoings than incomings, you know, Sam? At West Ham? But yeah, we've I, already got a small squad, mate. I, I know, but if you think of someone like Snodgrass, he's not playing, his contract's mm. going to be up soon. I reckon he'll I reckon he'll look to get first-team football. Yeah, Ben Johnson, who's not really involved now. I reckon he'll look to go out on loan. You've got players like Nathan Holland, who just hasn't been involved. He's back training, but he just hasn't been involved whatsoever. I reckon he'll look to go out on loan. So... I reckon they could be deals West Ham will look to do in January. As as one asks, when when um Halle missed that chance, right? What was your reaction? Because for me, right, when he missed it, <laughs> did you laugh? Yeah, I, I just laughed. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed at the time, and I'm laughing again now at the thought of it because I mean you couldn't make it up. I mean, oh how's your luck, Sebastian yeah. Haller? Gets through. Actually, does very well. Keeps his head, complete composure, fakes to shoot goes round his man bloody brilliant right he's done everything right and then only him the yeah. the luck he has he suddenly the sniper pops up at the back of the bloody billy bond stand and takes yeah. him out at the last second <laughs> nightmare <laughs> you know what, right so i was like brilliant great pass from four nails brilliant to round dean henderson you think to shot with sold harry maguire bury it that's it bury it so when yeah. he slipped i was thinking bloody hell oh yeah. my goodness of all, of all time to slip, you I slip know. right now. So, yeah, that was my reaction. It was bad, but I did have some sympathy because these things happen. I don't think it was necessarily ineptitude on his part. I think it was mm. bad luck. However, they say he doesn't have a left foot, right? Um, and I think he was trying to get it onto his right, wasn't yeah. it? He was. And 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 so you could blame it on that, that another player would have had the confidence to strike it first time on the left. And so you could say maybe it is down to his technique. I mean, an elite striker. And to be honest, right, we can never forget 
This is a forty-five million pound player, right? This is this is not a twenty-five million pound player for forty-five million in today's market. I think you are you're expecting an elite standard. I think, um, and that's you know, and so what you don't want is a player who's so one-footed that he has to spend an extra few seconds manoeuvring himself round the ball in order to finish a chance where it's effectively an open goal because you've already gone round the keeper. You know, that is the thing. That's that's the problem, yeah. is that he, you know, but to put it plainly, if I've spent £45 million on a striker, I want him to be able to shoot with his left foot as well as his right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. The longer time goes by post Pellegrini, and I can't even remember the name of, of the director of football. Was it Hesilios? Yeah, Hesilios. The, the longer the time passes, the madder and badder that period seems, right? And the real mugs were Sullivan and Gold for hiring Pellegrini in the first place. They were the real mugs because... And, and you know, listen, I and a lot of other West Ham fans were, were delighted at the appointment. So I'm not... I'm not being kind of white. Well, I am being wise over the event, but I won't deny that I was behind the appointment of Pellegrini. I thought this is great. This is the next stage for the club. We've got a Champions League manager. This will push us on, right? Um, but it was such a big mistake by then to have identified a, a manager who was so disengaged, I think, from the realities of what the club required and was so there for the money that he was kind of half-heartedly playing it like I do when I'm sort of only half-concentrating on my FIFA managerial career mode, where you're not really scouting properly, you know. Um, The fact that they allowed him to appoint his own director of football over the one that they themselves had identified, and then just let him run riot, you know. And, and, you know, Haller and Anderson... Absolute disastrous signings. Sanchez and um, and Wilshire, disastrous signings. I mean, Wilshire, we had to pay off, right? And that is one that all of us knew. Anyone with half a brain, anyone who follows football, thought what an en- enormous risk it is taking on a player like Jack Wilshire with his injury record. We'd all seen him go to Bournemouth and it wasn't like he'd pulled up trees there. So you couldn't even argue, well, he's been in and out at Arsenal, but maybe if he's given a chance elsewhere in the Premier League, he'll go back to being the player he once was. No, because we'd already seen him at Bournemouth. We knew that he, you know, that he'd just turned in kind of pretty average performances there. Bournemouth could have had him. They didn't want him or they didn't fight as hard as we did to get him. You know, Pellegrini set the club back, set the club project back years. And it will take us still years to get out of it because, you know, we've had to spend a lot of money on getting rid of Wilshire. We're going to have to take a big hit when we sell Haller, a big hit, right? 45 million. I've heard people saying, I would take 35 million for him now. No one's offering 35 million (laughs) for Sebastian Haller. I mean, you'd be mad to. Why? Why would you offer 35 million? The best we can hope for with Sebastian Haller is that a Bundesliga club who are, you know, are, are familiar with what he, he, was, he did for Frankfurt before and thought, well, he might be able to do it again for us. We'll take him on loan and cover his wages. That is the only hope we've got now. Take him on loan, cover his wages, hope that he does well back in the Bundesliga. And if he does, then we can command a proper fee for him yeah. in the summer. Or, or a loan obligation to buy. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, something like that. But no one's going to give us a decent transfer fee for him at the moment. No way. No way. We've got to get him out on loan and sooner rather than later because I don't hate him. I don't think he's absolute rubbish. But if you look at what we need is we need to fill the squad up with up options up front. I would like to just go out and buy two or three strikers, right? We're not going to be able to do that on our current budgets and certainly with our wage bill, right? The way it is. And he's being paid more than a lot of players at the club. You've got to get him out because you've got to give him a chance to prove himself in another league get some goals to boost his own value back up. Because if not, we'll be in another situation where his value goes down, 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 and we'll find ourselves having to get another player off the wage bill by paying him off, you know? Yeah. Same, it's what we've tried with Felipe Anderson. But as I understand it, he's, he, he hasn't impressed anyone at, at um, Porto. Yeah. They might even want to give him back. <laughs> and, I, yeah. I, and I was surprised by that. I was surprised by that because we saw... In his first season, he had a really very good spell. People forget that. But that spell, I think he got 10 goals, 10 assists. And for a little period, he looked like he was going to be our, our, our main guy. And I thought, he's got that in him. But something's gone up in his head. And he's not going to work out at West Ham or in the Premier League. But I thought, let's be honest, the Portuguese League is a few tiers down from the Premier League. It's much easier for a player like him to operate in. Plus, he speaks the language. He'll feel more at home. I thought he was going to mm. do great at Porto. I, I really did. I am stunned that he can't even make the team at Porto. I'm not. But, aren't you? I'm not, I'm not stunned at all. Is that actually just wrong? That actually just wrong. He's, he comes across to the person like, I, I'm the best player. I, I should be starting. I don't, I don't see yeah. him going... Arrogant. Like, well, yeah, arrogant. Not, I don't see him putting an extra mile to try and say, oh, you know what? Let me, let me make the best out of a bad situation. And just... Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, we could do a whole podcast on my frustration with Pelipa Anderson, honestly. He's yeah. just a, such a frustrating footballer. Friday night, Leeds United versus West Ham United. Um, I don't know, that sounds exciting to me. It sounds tan a tantalising prospect. What a Friday night, Rashane. I mean, is it, I don't know about you, you're a younger man than me. That's about as exciting as my Friday nights can get. I can't wait. And I feel like it's a good fixture for us to be having off the back of that um, Manchester United game because there's always going to be a bit of a, a bit of spice against a club like Leeds United. We haven't played them in a long time. They're the sort of club that you know, whenever you play, whenever any club plays them, there always seems to little be a little bit of edge to them. They're that kind of club. They've got that sort of reputation. I agree. I'm um, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, in fact, but prior to when Leeds were in the championship for so long, I was like, I would love it if they're back in the Premier League. Yeah, just yeah, just definitely. for the rivalry and they're being like an old school club. And also, I love Bielsa. Uh, <laughs> I love him. I think he's the man's a god. I I will always love him. I know that you know all the football hipsters love him for all this uh, you know tactical uh, hoo ha and all the rest of it, right? But the thing about him that I love is just the way that he has made it his business to troll Frank Lampard. <laughs> um, ever since he got to the country and how yeah. much Frank Lampard rises to it every time. I mean, Chelsea Leeds, if you watch the touchline, which I did closely because it's my favourite soap opera in football is the Frank Lampard-Bielsa situation. Yeah. Lampard spent half the match just looking over at Bielsa. Bielsa is, as they say, living rent-free inside Frank Lampard's mind. And that's what I love about him most of mm. all. But that said... That, and, and by the way, we nearly got him before we hired yeah. Bilic, yeah. which would have been... Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Bilic. I was very happy that we, that we got him, but Bielsa at West Ham, what a prospect that would be. 
So, anyway. so, I'm, so I'm not sure you're up to on Thursday, but I don't mind going to Lee's training ground to do a little bit of spying. <laughs> and do you know what? If you did, Rishane, if if we went and spied, I think Bielsa would be fine with that. I think it'd be, yeah, that's football. That's football. All fairs in love and war, mate. Get on with it. Have a good 100%. spy up. <laughs> um, Leeds aren't uh, going quite as well as they did at the beginning of the season. Um, so it's not the worst time to be playing them, is it? It's not, but... It tends to happen where when a team's struggling, they play West Ham, and for whatever reason, they play their best football for quite mm. some time. It, it always happens, but in fairness, the only player who I'm really worried about on Friday is Patrick Bamford, because mm. he's having a great season so far. Scored against Chelsea as well, so that's the only player I'm a little bit wary of. And I reckon, because Robert Snodgrass played for Leeds, I reckon pretending the players what to expect, what not to do, you know, how to not, you know, sort of uh, play to their strengths and whatnot. So Yeah, it was a long time ago, yeah. though. It was pre- yeah. pre-Bielsa, wasn't it? Um, it was, yeah. d- a different proposition then. Um, Calvin Phillips up against Declan Rice in midfield could be interesting, right? England rivals for the same position. And a lot of people think Calvin Phillips are better than Declan Rice. There's a lot. Of, well, I say a lot of people. Leeds fans, to be honest. It's Leeds fans who think, do, Calvin, yeah. Yeah, who think Calvin Phillips better than uh, Declan Rice. Yeah, another another... Promising young player, but obviously we all know Declan Rice is the better player. There's no, there's no question yeah, yeah. about well, that. Well, we'll find out. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, Leeds fans, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how the game goes. But, um, uh, you know, I, I think that, yeah, Declan Rice, I, I haven't seen a lot of Calvin Phillips, but I just, you know, yeah. maybe I'm I'm blind and prejudiced to it, but I just don't think there's so any you, player you're confident, in that position. You're confident for the win on, on Friday, Sam? I am, actually, because I think I saw enough against United to think, OK, the, our, we played a lot worse against Villa than we did against United. Right, that that's for certain. So we, in some ways, it was like a positive because it meant we bounced back. I thought, oh, if we if we perform like we did against Villa, you know, before the game, I was thinking if we perform like that, United are gonna are gonna muller us, right? But what we the story of that game is we created chances at will. All of our players were on form. Rice and Suchek were back on form, bit uh, big time. The story of that game was we we wasted chance after chance after chance. And then they hit us with that, you know, with, with a goal that was um, out of the blue. Very remarkable. And West Ham psychologically suddenly crumbled. And I haven't seen that all season. You know, the way that... the Well, actually, we did, didn't we, in the first half against Tottenham. There was yeah. something like that. They hit us early and the defenders and everyone sort of switched off for a period and let them extend lean. It was very similar to that. I can't see... With David Moyes and the coaching team we've got, I can't see them doing that again I think that we will come back stronger against Leeds more resilient more determined I'm not writing Leeds off as easy opposition of course not but I think that we will um, I think we'll come back stronger from that performance I think I think we'll have learned some lessons from it Um, you know I do I do think though that the defenders a little bit have to look at themselves and think you know why did we, as soon as, there wasn't a huge amount they could do about Pogba's goal. I would say that when I was watching All or Nothing, that Tottenham thing on Amazon, and United were play, and Spurs were playing United, and obviously Mourinho was very plugged into United, and the main thing he said was, if Pogba comes on, do not let him shoot. That's what he mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I thought... He knows. He knows how threatening. He's worked with him every day. They didn't like each other, but he knows if you let that, if you give that bloke space to shoot anywhere inside 40 bloody yards, he's got a good chance of scoring. And so I would say that he was given he was given a lot of time and space, Pogba, to 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 you know side foot that that shot into the into the goal. 
Um, there's also something else I wanted to ask you about quickly was there's there seems to be on social media a growing criticism of Kufal or Sufal, however you want to say it. Um, it's what, actually, what, what yeah, it's actually, I've been told it's Sufal. So okay, <laughs> Sufal, yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> what, have you have you noticed that? Do you have any thoughts on that? I haven't, and that's that's a surprise to be honest. Because as I mentioned earlier, when the fans were saying "hey" to Ben Rama, but also cheering uh, Kufal when announced was was just calling out the team. So yeah, that's that's a big surprise. I, to I, me. I, I, like I saw work. a few people on Twitter saying that United were targeting him, and that uh, you know going down his side because you know he obviously he works hard, but he can be nervy. Um, and he can be a bit immobile. I don't know what I think about that. I'm perfectly happy. I think it's been a problem situation for a long time, and I feel happier with him there than I do Fredericks or Johnson. Yeah, yeah I agree. Again, I'm surprised about that. That's yeah, that's quite that's quite my surprise, Sam. Honestly, right? He's performed well, well since he's been in the team. Um, and you know uh, the the other three defenders. You know, you think Balbuena could be under any pressure from Diop after conceding those three goals? I reckon Diop will play in one of the next two games, whether it's Leeds or Crystal Palace, just to rotate the team to freshen up a little bit because you can't play every match during the Christmas period. It's just pretty much impossible, really. So I reckon he will be involved soon. And he must be itching to get back in the team because he yeah. was an important player. He'd previously been an important player for West Ham to now be on the outside looking in. He must be hating that. So I reckon when he comes back in the team, you'll have a point to prove. A lot of players there on our bench, a lot of good players who now might be getting, um, you know, confident that they're going to get an opportunity soon. But that's good, isn't it? I'm excited about seeing some other faces come in and sort of shake things up a little bit. Um, so what, we, we're predicting that maybe one change for the game against Leeds and a positive result. I'll say 2-1 West Ham. What about you? I'll say 2-0. 2-0 West Ham? Yeah, 2-0 West Ham. And you think, and, and are you confident that Moyes will bring Ben Rama in? I'm not confident, unfortunately, because you, we sort of we sort of know what Moyes is like now. Mm. I reckon if you're not involved against Leeds, then it's definitely Crystal Palace, 100 percent Crystal Palace. But I'm hoping he's involved. I'm hoping he's involved. So, and, by the way, uh, I'll, I'll yeah. just say, Sam, before we wrap up the podcast, right? I have a question. A, a question I'm burning to ask you. Yeah. So let's say, right, there's a competition going on for you to win a ten be- a ten bedroom house in Essex. Beautiful house, mm. absolutely yeah. lovely house, beautiful area, lovely. right? But in order to win this house, uh, you have to pick one player to score a penalty, and the options are Sebastian Hilaire and Pablo Fornals. Who are you picking? Mm. And I want listeners to get in touch to let us know as well because I think this is a. Uh, I would definitely say Hilaire. Because oh, okay. he's allowed to, he, you know, with a penalty, he's got plenty of time to put it on his right foot, hasn't he? Oh, okay. And it, and if he hit it like he did the goal against, what was that goal? Was it against Sheffield United? Yeah, it was. If it, if he can strike it like that, then I'm happy. Four nows, God knows what he'd do. I mean, the man is so unpredictable <laughs> in front of a goal. You know, I, I wouldn't be fully confident on either of them, but out of the two, I'd go to Haller. What about you? Take it myself. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was an option. If it was an option for me, I would still choose Haller, to be honest. Uh, I've never been that good at pens. So, all right, um, let's wrap it up. What you got coming up on The Athletic this week that we can read about? You know, this is a week where I've spoke for choice. So I'm actually mm. not sure what the next piece is. I'm, I'm really spoke for choice, Sam. So the next piece will be on Thursday, but I'm, I'm not sure uh, what the piece will be yet. But there definitely will be a piece on Saturday, like the reaction to the game against Leeds. And... I'm touching wood right now because it should be confirmed, but I should be interviewing a West Ham player at some point next week. 
and this person has a lot to say so it should be a good wow. one wow well that's yeah. fantastic all right well we'll look forward to that and uh, like i said at the start of the show uh, listeners go, go on to the athletic now there's the uh, two for one offer so you can get some of the subscription for christmas but also do read rashane's piece this week about um our problems in front of goal fascinating stuff in there as always uh, that's it um we'll be with you again next week reflecting on the leeds united game thanks for listening follow me at delaney man and rashane at rashane sport on twitter um thanks for listening come on you irons and as always remember ladies and gents there's only one Samasia Boo!